Shall we try that chorus more and more again? Do we have enough here to attempt it? I must admit I was very surprised since we had learned it from the San Francisco Bay Area when there were so few hands that went up with anybody knowing it. So I guess maybe it's gone sort of back to the Midwest and now maybe it'll come back a bit. But let's try it again. I'll see if I can start it fairly close. More and more. That's a little high. Maybe you should try it, Bill. Mm-hmm. More to magnify his name. More and more. I want to spread abroad his fame. More and more. Oh, make my life a living flame. Melt my heart, precious Lord. More and more. Does everybody recognize it again now? One more time. Okay, let's do it one more time. Can we drop it just a little bit? And more. I want to magnify His name. More and more. Oh, want to spread abroad His fame. More and more. Oh, make my life a living flame. Melt my heart. Precious Lord, more and more. Let's turn to First Timothy for just some nice verses to begin with this morning. I've been so enjoying the practical and the convicting ministry from our brother Jabe. I did want to state to him and to you all that it's an immense privilege for me to be with him. It's many years ago now, but this brother picked a few of us up at a very appropriate time. In our young Christian lives, we headed out to a few different places doing some gospel work and knocking on a few doors, things like that. And I'm just very grateful to the Lord for His immense input into my life. And so it's a privilege to be with Him uh, here this week for me. Very, very special time. First Timothy chapter 1. Just some verses concerning what He's been sharing for us, but... Verse 11, according to that glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who hath enabled me for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry, who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. As we have been thinking about faith working by love and love never failing, in verse 14, the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Howbeit for this cause I obtain mercy that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all long suffering. For a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on Him to life everlasting. So it's been a privilege to be here this week to recognize that we can be patterns for the Lord. And the Lord can use us miraculously and gloriously as we place our faith and our trust in their true source, which is the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. Let's turn then to our Old Testaments again as we continue on with this study of the Lord as He reveals Himself to us as a person who loves us and cares for us, who can do anything but fail. I'd like us to turn this morning to Genesis chapter 17. 
We recollect that we started a bit with that name Elohim, a name which is given numerous times in the Old Testament. I believe it's somewhere between 2,300 and 2,500 times in the Old Testament. You'll find it very often. And then we came to another name called El Elyon. And one of the wonderful things about being at a conference like this, as mentioned on the first day, is the helps that you all give. That we're all in it together to learn who the Lord is. Fortunately, we have a couple individuals here who, who know Hebrew, in fact, at least one of them. It's their native tongue. And they've been very helpful. And they corrected me on one thing yesterday or the day before concerning El Elyon. And interestingly enough, it's something that I've read and heard from numerous people. We talked about how the Bible is a good thing to look at instead of commentaries. And it was this simple statement that with El Elyon, the L in the first portion is that word for God, for the mighty power. But the L that at least in our English form of the word that we find in the second name is not the exact same wording, is not the same lettering, is not the same pronunciation. It isn't a pure repetition in that sense. Now, he is the Most High God. He is certainly the superlative in that sense. He's above every other God. But the name does say that he is the God Most High, unable to be exceeded. But it's not a mere repetition. It's not a mere doubling up in a superlative sense. Those kind of things are very helpful to us. So now I'll have some more reports for you perhaps tomorrow based on today, Lord willing. But anyway... We have um, this name El Elyon, this great name. It's used a number of times, but not that many. Guess how many times El Roy is used in our Old Testament? <clears throat> Does anybody know? You don't have to say anything. You can just hold up the right number of fingers. <laughs> this many times. This many. One of our favorites. The name Jehovah Jireh <clears throat> that we find in Genesis 22 is used how many times? Another one of our favorite compound names of Jehovah. This many. There it is again. Just one. Now, when we come to this next name, we're going to read about it in chapter 17, but I'd like to make mention of just a couple of things first before our reading so that you might look for what we're hoping to look for, hoping to see from the Word. This name, El Shaddai. I believe it's used less than ten times in the Old Testament. Not that many times per se, but again, a very precious name for us. And I would just like to put to you, and now you read it and make your own decisions, but it seems to me like it is almost the parenting name of God in the Old Testament that finds its fullness, its fruition, in the name of the Father in the New Testament. We find it over and over in context, in the context of this family of Abraham's. With Isaac then, with Jacob, with his blessings that he pronounces on his sons and their sons' sons. We find it when children are blessed, when children are named. It just seems like every time we come to a family circumstance in the book of Genesis, we find this name, El Shaddai. Now we may talk a little bit about what its simple Strong's Concordance roots are. But notice the context now when we come to chapter 17. When Abram was ninety years old and nine, the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, Here's our name in this phrase now. I am the Almighty God. Walk before me, and be thou perfect. 
And I will make my covenant between me and thee, and will multiply thee exceedingly. And Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with thee, and thou shalt be a father of many nations. Neither shall thy name any more be called Abram, but thy name shall be Abraham. For a father of many nations have I made thee, and I will make thee exceeding fruitful. And I will make nations of thee, and kings shall come out of thee, and I will establish my covenant between me and thee, and thy seed after thee and their generations for an everlasting covenant to be a God unto thee and to thy seed after thee. And I will give unto thee and to thy seed after thee the land wherein thou art a stranger, all the land of Canaan, for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. Now, this name is used exclusively in relation to his own children. This name, El Shaddai. And El Shaddai comes here to Abraham a second time, in effect, and reminds him of the covenant that he had made with him. He says, I am the Almighty God. Sixteen years before, approximately in chapter 15, he had promised him a seed. And now he comes to him again, and he reiterates that promise, because in the intervening time, Sarah and Abraham had taken Ishmael. Ishmael now 13 years old. And once again, God reiterates to Abraham that he was the God of the covenant, the God of faithfulness and commitment. And he says, I'm going to give unto you a seed. Now, if we were to go to the New Testament, to Romans chapter 4 and Hebrews 11, the Holy Spirit tells us very explicitly that Abraham and Sarah were dead as far as their ability to create life as human beings. They were beyond that age. It was physically impossible at this stage. And the Lord, in a sense, is waiting for that, that He might be glorified in the beauty of this miracle. And this Almighty God then comes down and reiterates this covenant that He was going to give Him a son. And that the sons' sons after that would fill the stars for multitude of the skies in number and the sands of the seashore in number. And so he reiterates this again with this man, Abraham. It is El Shaddai that pours out his loving life unto Abraham. And he was now Abraham's hope. And Abraham looked to this almighty God for the seed that was going to come unto him. And God gave him a son. His name was Isaac. He brought him life out of death. Now let's turn then to the next patriarch's life here very swiftly, to Isaac's. And I'd like us to turn to Genesis 28 now. For the next time that we find mention of this name. And in this story, we'll see Isaac doing something with his son Jacob. Somehow, Abraham must have passed on the knowledge of this Almighty God to his son Isaac. And we read in verse 1 in chapter 28 that Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and charged him and said unto him, Thou shalt not take a wife of the daughters of Canaan. Arise, go to Padanaram, to the house of Bethuel, thy mother's father. Take thee a wife from thence of the daughters of Laban, thy mother's brother. And he says, and here's our word, here's our name, And God Almighty bless thee, and make thee fruitful, and multiply thee, that thou mayest be 
a multitude of people. And this man Jacob, who was the son of the tents, unlike his brother who was used to being in the outdoors like this, and as Isaac sends him out, he sends him out in this fathering name, in this name of God Almighty, and he commits him to his care, this seed that was his. And out goes Jacob, and Jacob goes to Laban, and of course Jacob is going to find wives and children, and this family is going to continue to be propagated. So he passes him into better hands, to El Shaddai's hands. And again, we find this phrase, be fruitful and multiply, and I will bless thy seed. Always remember that if you're sending a loved one out on a long journey or on a trail to the top of Half Dome, you can send them out in this name and recognize that He'll care for them because underneath are His everlasting arms. Let's then go to Genesis chapter 32 as we look at the next patriarch. We don't actually find this name here in this passage. We'll find it next occurring in chapter 35. But to get a little sense of what's happening... Let's remind ourselves of what occurs here at the end of Genesis chapter 32 and begin reading in verse 24. And Jacob was left alone. And there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh. And the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint. And he wrestled with him. And he said, Let me go, for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go, except thou bless thee, or bless me. And he said unto him, What is thy name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, Thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince thou hast power with God and with men, and hast prevailed. And Jacob asked him, and he said, Tell me, I pray thee, thy name. And he said, Wherefore is it that thou dost ask after my name? And he blessed him there. And Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. And as he passed over Penuel, the sun rose high upon him, and he halted upon his thigh, and so forth. But he never did receive a name from the Lord, did he, at this stage? Now, he will a couple of chapters later in a very light context. But here's this man, Jacob. Now, James Pearson and I were talking the other day about the meaning of our name. My name is James. His name is James. And I mentioned to him that at one point I went into a Christian bookstore. Unfortunately, a lot of things in Christian bookstores are just made sort of for this, you know. And they had along the wall a whole row of mugs. And on these mugs, these nice coffee mugs, were Christian names. A lot of names that you and I would have. And underneath of them were little definitions. And I thought they were fairly expensive for a coffee mug, but that's what they are, you know. And so I traced down through the alphabet and I found my name, James. And underneath of it, in the definition, this is what it said in quotes, truthful. So now, wait a minute here. Where did they come up with that? My name, James, is, of course, Jacob. It's no different, really. Same name. But it does not mean that. It means the supplanter. It means the liar. But we trust, we have the same trust that Jacob did, that he could take people like us and transform us into a prince with God like he did with Jacob, by his glory. Now here's this man, Jacob. Years before, this very same identical question is asked of him. 
Remember when it was. This father Isaac, he comes before his father in his old age. His father cannot see very well. He asks him this identical question word for word. And he says to Jacob the supplanter, he says, Jacob, what is thy name? And Jacob says, Esau. Jacob fulfilled his name, didn't he? He was a supplanter. And until God gets a hold of him and says, you're going to have to be true with yourself as to who you are, the sinner that you are, the supplanter that you are, until you recognize where you are in your sin and who you are, we cannot begin to build you up as a prince with God. And now he comes to him again as he's worked with with Jacob as a loving God and Father, step by step. And we don't have time to trace the process, but now he comes to him and he wrestles with him. And he brings up once again this identical phrase. He says, Jacob, what is thy name? And Jacob says, it's Jacob. It's Jacob. And Jacob responds now back after hearing that he was going to have his name changed. He says, what is thy name? Now let's turn to chapter 35 and begin reading in verse 9. And God appeared unto Jacob again and when he came out of Padanaram and blessed him. And God said unto him, Thy name is Jacob. Thy name shall not be called any more Jacob, but Israel shall be thy name. And he called his name Israel. And now we find our name here for God in verse 11. And God said unto him, he says, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall be of thee, and kings shall come out of thy loins. This time, he responds with his name. And he says to Jacob, You will be called now Israel, the prince with God. And I am the Almighty God, El Shaddai, be fruitful and multiply. This book of Genesis, we're often told by those that know it well, is a book that starts out with the creation. It goes on with the nations. Of course, sin enters in. But then it begins to narrow down and it comes down to the history of a family. Because our Lord is interested in the individual. And here we have in this family now a God that is revealed again to this man of faith, this Abraham. A God who is going to care for him, see to him, see to it that his children and their children go on for the Lord. They multiply, they're blessed. It's the story now in these latter chapters of a family. And we see this El Shaddai superintending with this family, with Abraham, with Isaac, with Jacob. And we could carry on in chapter 43. There are a couple of other passages that we won't look at in Genesis, just for time's sake here. But in chapter 43, it's a very favorite portion of mine. This man Judah is an amazing individual. He had his weaknesses. But he was like Joseph in many ways. In this respect, it was only these two that Scripture says, before whom would bow the knees of all of their brethren. You remember Joseph's dream to that effect. 
But we read also in the prophecies concerning Judah, the very same thing would occur, of course, out of Judah, was going to come the Lord Jesus Christ, the lineage of the Lord Jesus. But in chapter 43 and verse 14, we have this impassioned plea by Judah, talking with his father regarding Egypt and what they needed to do. He said, we have to take the brother. We have to take our little brother that Joseph has asked for, this this Benjamin. And Judah in his plea says, I'll take his place if need be. But he says here in verse 13, let's start, Take also your brother, arise, says Jacob, and go unto the man. And notice now Jacob's going to send him out. This Benjamin that he loved, the son of his love, with Judah and his other sons. And he says, And El Shaddai and God Almighty give you mercy before the man, that he may send away your other brother and my Benjamin and Benjamin. If I bereaved of my children, I am bereaved. And Jacob commits this family circumstance, the love that he has for a son that's in prison in Egypt, and the son now of Rachel, the last that he has. He's already lost Joseph in his mind. And he sends Benjamin away with this name. And Judah's a wonderful man as he draws this family together toward the end, as it seems like he's the one that can somehow provide the solution when the, when the family is at odds. This beautiful progenitor, this, this one who is a father in a real way of our own Lord Jesus Christ by blood. And so we have this name brought up again here. God Almighty, give you mercy before the man. Let's just look at one other in Genesis chapter 49. In verse 25, it's in Jacob's statements to Joseph. In verse 25, we read, And even by the God of thy father, who shall help thee. And by the Almighty, here's our name again, who shall bless thee with blessings of heaven above, blessings of the deep that lieth under, blessings of the breasts and of the womb. The blessings of thy father has prevailed above the blessings of my progenitors under the utmost bound of the everlasting hills. They shall be on the head of Joseph, and on the crown of the head of him that was separate from his brethren. Beautiful, simple prophecy even concerning the one who in the future, the Lord Jesus, who was to be separate from his brethren. And so now Jacob again, passing it on to this son Joseph. And he speaks to him concerning Almighty, he says. And this Almighty is the one who will bless thee with the blessings of heaven above and the blessings of the deep that lieth under the blessings of the breasts and the blessings of the womb. This Almighty God. Now, we made mention that Shaddai itself is found about 31 times in Job and 9 times in the rest of the Old Testament. Many times over in Job. Only 9 times is it found in in communion with this name El, El Shaddai. We know somewhat the meaning of El, as we've spoken about it, the mighty power of the Lord. Now, again, we're getting into very shady territory here as we look at a root. This name Shaddai, some people feel comes from one root, Shaddad, which is the mighty, terrible power of God. 
You notice it's rendered here in our Scripture, the Almighty. Doesn't necessarily mean it's terrible power, does it? It can be loving power as well. Others point out that it may very likely come from this word which we just found in this verse, in verse 25. The blessings of the breasts. The idea of a place of provision. Of sustenance. Of protection. Of comfort. And as we've been reading this name through Scripture, taking it in its different instances, we've noticed at least that it is this. It's a name that's used in communion and with those that are His own. His people whom He has selected. The blessings that He's going to give them. The faithfulness that He's going to show to them. The provision that He's going to give. The care that He's going to take. And then we find out as well that truly it could be either, could it not? I always sort of hate to say it's an either-or situation, when with God it tends to be an everything situation. Is He the God of provision? (laughs) Of course He is, isn't He? Is He the God of power? Of course He's the God of power. And so we have this wonderful name brought before our attention. Now, even this word for breast that's used many times in the Old Testament is not at all necessarily feminine. You can turn to Isaiah chapter 60 and find out that it's in reference to the Gentiles. It's used in reference to the kings as they provided and protected their people. The very first rendering that we do find it have is right here in this verse, in verse 25, concerning the breast. It's in 25 of Genesis 49. The blessings as God pours them out upon His people. Our God is spoken of in Scripture as the pourer forth. The one who fills them with any need that they have, any hunger that you and I might ever have, we find it satisfaction in the Lord. And when we come to the New Testament, we find this very same idea reiterated that our Lord Jesus Christ is the Almighty God. He's the Almighty in every sense of the word. He is also the one to whom we can come and find comfort if we're weary and heavy laden. He is the one who is also the poorer forth, who is the living water, who says, come unto me and drink. I am the bread. Come and taste and see that He's good. And our God is a provision in every sense of the word, one of the most tender titles, perhaps, used of God and always used in relation to His children. Almighty, all-sufficient, the God of power, the God of provision. One verse to close with our time this morning. Psalm 91 and verse 1. Psalm 91. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High Notice the word high there is capitalized. There's our name that we looked at two days ago. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I think of the hymn that says, Under His wings I am safely abiding. All provision, all sustenance, all care, all comfort is found in this God Almighty. A tender title of the Lord. As we go back to this man Abraham, 
And we realize to him was revealed the name, the Almighty God, El Shaddai. It was done so in the context of a son, of a seed that was to be given to him. Not the seed of the bondwoman, but to his own wife, decreed by the Lord under a commitment that he had given. And when that precious son, Isaac, was given to Abraham, he could see as this son was in the arms of that mother Sarai, everything that he and Sarai was to that son is what God is to us. And as his wife held that child close in that place of protection, of provision, of comfort, of satisfaction, it's the same picture that we have of our God as He draws us close. He loves us. He cares for us. What a wonderful God we have. And we'll just say in conclusion, it's fascinating to see how the Lord introduces Himself with such awe and such reverence and such might to begin with. But step by step, He's coming closer. He's coming closer. He's the El Elyon, the Most High of all. But He steps down to speak to that servant woman. And He steps down to speak to you and my, to you and me. And He draws closer and closer and closer. We call Him Abba Father, don't we? I heard that name at a lunchtime just two days ago when I was with some individuals that speak that tongue. And all of a sudden, it, it caught my attention. I don't hear that very often. It's a labial word, right? It's a word that if you can't control the tongue yet, and the use of the tongue like a little child cannot, they can the lips. And they can say it. It's a father like, or a name like Dada, or Mama, I guess you would say, the lips. Abba uses the lips. That intimate name that the Holy Spirit Himself says, gives us in Galatians chapter 4. A name whereby we can call our own God, this Abba Father, this closeness, this tenderness of God with His people. Well, we're going to stop there for this morning. Let's pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, we are so grateful to be able to call Thee that. Under the authority of the Word of God, to be able to say, Abba, Father. It is a tender title. It is a close title. It is a title which causes us to get down upon our knees to recognize that the infinite God has stooped in love to create a relationship with such as we. Our Father, we recognize that we are the supplanters. We are the liars that have lied to our own selves concerning who we are. We find ourselves in pride. We find ourselves putting ourselves often um, many times up against God, choosing our own decisions instead of His, following our own way instead of the Good Shepherd's. And yet, Father, we say this morning that it is Thee that we desire to follow, Thee to whom we look, and we ask Thee that Thou wouldst draw nearer, nearer, blessed God, that we might recognize fuller and in a more fresh way truly who Thou art, we just praise Thee for whom Thou art. We thank You that You love us. We thank You that You have loved us in Your Son. And we pray as we look forward to further study in the Word that You would undertake to teach us as only a father, a loving father can. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.